Hey, Peter. Yep. Is that a is that a baseline you're playing yep. there? Well, that's cool because uh, I've been wanting to, to I don't know make a plan for playing baselines like a blueprint, like a yeah, like a blueprint for um, for a jazz bassist, you know. Mm. Uh, and you're good, you're really good, but I wonder if we have something from I don't know, perhaps the greatest bass player who's ever lived. I think we might have something. I'm Adam Ennis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Jazz. Explain. Explain to me this, Peter. <laughs> How did we end up with our dinky little open studio <laughs> getting one of the all-time greats on our roster? Ron Carter is officially an open studio artist. He's releasing a course this week. It is eminent and yeah. imminent and it's, upon us. You is, know, I know it's such a... It's ominous beyond even and ominent. A, well, you know what? I would say it's almost beyond like... A dream come true because I don't know that we actually ever dreamed this uh, because it kind of felt like yeah not beyond what we could do but just you, you know I mean yeah I guess we did dream it but it was also just sort of like you know it's kind of like saying like I dream that I'm gonna drive a Rolls Royce one day or own one yeah when the reality is like if I could just sit in the back of one that would be great but yeah. maybe we should aspire you know to 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 owning a Rolls Royce but in this case this is the equivalent of it we've I got mean, the Rolls- having Rolls- Ron Royce. Carter is is the base equivalent and it's it's such an exciting thing, and uh, we thought today we would just sort of talk a little bit, um, a little behind the scenes of yeah. what it was like to be in the studio, how the, how it kind of, you know, the origin story of why this came about, yeah, um, and uh, just, you know, reminisce a little bit in celebration of the release of Blueprint for Jazz Bass and from even, Ron Carter. Maybe talk a little bit about some of the instruction Ron gave that we thought was really cool, because there are lessons to be learned, even for pianists, about constructing bass lines from this course. Oh, absolutely. Blueprint for the, for the Jazz Bass. I mean, just the innate logic of um, the kind of intersection of the logic and the artistry of Ron Carter is such an interesting and applicable to like, I mean, beyond just like all instruments, just everything kind of in the arts. He has such, um, you know, a deep well of understanding of art and science, you know, and how and then just technique on his particular instrument, but things that we can apply to how we approach stuff. And then he's so, you know, at the same time, approachable, and yet not approachable. It's like a Rolls Royce. Once you get in the thing, you're like, Oh, my God, this is the most comfortable vehicle. Actually, I've never been in one. Have you? I've never been in one. I was close to I was invited to go into Alan Toussaint's in New Orleans. And I was on the outside of it, which is very exciting. Yeah. But I mean, I my in my imagination, I have been in an S class Mercedes. You know, it seems unattainable. Once you get in it, you're like, this is the greatest thing. It's so welcoming and comfortable. You know, I poked my head in a Bentley one time at a gig that had a bunch of that stuff in there. Right. That was kind of cool. Right, right, right. Um, So I wonder if we could just start with. So first of all, so as we record this podcast episode, it's late May 2022. Yes. We went to New York City in February 2022. Yes. Uh, Already for me, it was a special trip because it was my first trip back to New York since the pandemic started. And I was super stoked to just be in the city. Right. Um, But then on top of that. We spent uh, two glorious days. Well, one and a half. <laughs> we can talk about that. Glorious days with the maestro, uh, Ron Carter. And I just wonder, maybe we could start with some things that about the session, about, uh, about maestro that stood out for us. Because there certainly were, for me, a couple of things 
um, musically, professionally, just personally, like how he handled himself that I was like, I mean, I was, you know, you're just trying to soak it in, right? You're right. just like taking it all in because, you know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn from someone who is as high of a level as he, as he is for so, so long. Yeah. And I think one of the first things that struck me, and it's, it's really the kind of the, the gift of the course and what's amazing about the course, the blueprint for modern jazz bassist is how simple he makes everything he yeah. makes his own playing and his own job with things relatively simple that doesn't mean that it's easy or that it's basic but it's very he has, has a very simple philosophy when it comes down to it yeah and like i was struck by the fact that of of the two days that we recorded and he did stuff with you he did stuff solo he didn't want to talk about bass solos or how to blaze on a solo or anything like that. He is so interested in his role as a bass player yeah. and what it means to play the bass and how to create the, uh, you know, a bass line that really, as he says, like can make or break a band can really change the direction of any band. That to me was the lesson of like, you know, know your role within the music and, and like work your hardest to make that simple so that you can make these, are beautiful artistic choices. And when I think about back on his playing over the decades, that simplicity really stands out to me too. When I, when I think of him, you know, I don't think of Ron Carter as this blazing Jocko soloist doing all this right. stuff, even though he probably could do all of that. Right. I think of and him. And he kind of does some of that within the baseline. He can, kinda, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? But I think about him more as like being able to create a vibe yeah. in the rhythm sections that he's in. Yes. And that's where his genius comes out. Absolutely. And he talks about that in the chorus and he talked about that with us and, and just it really pervades his, I think, his philosophy in terms of, you know, how he teaches, but more importantly, how he plays. Yeah. And it matches so well with what he professes and, and just, you know, talks about in terms of like the basis being the quarterback, you know, everything kind of coming out from the base. And it's not from the sense of like self-importance of the position of the instrument. It's really because of the way that he's always played and of course i you know you know is, is he's probably the musician that we've um and a lot of the people listening to this podcast have listened to more even if like you're a guitar player yeah like or a pianist or whatever you probably heard ron carter playing more than anybody you well, <laughs> the whole this whole thing happened like uh, the maestro reached out to us because yes. we did a You'll Hear It episode on the five greatest, seven greatest bass yeah. lines of all time. Well, we like, should start with this origin story. It's very interesting. Well, like four of them were his. That's right. And I that's why three. he was... Yeah, yeah. Three of them. Three, three of them were his. And he was... And, and that wasn't planned. No, that's right. just because he made the best bass lines. Right, right. Like, and we used uh, a picture of him, I think, on the YouTube video, maybe, yeah, on yeah. like the thumbnail. And so we received a call from um, Mr. Carter's assistant here at Open Studio HQ that Mr. Carter would like to have a Zoom call. Yeah, I like to think of his people called our people. His people did call our people. I think we <laughs> might have answered the phone. But yeah, his people called our people and said he'd like to have a phone conversation with us. And because, you know, of this silly, um, insecure Midwestern pianist that we are, we, we became fearful instead of opportunistic when we heard that. Remember, we were like, uh-oh, well, is he going to be upset that yeah. we used his picture and talked about his bass lines and stuff? I mean, we cleared everything, the music, but we didn't, we didn't talk to him, obviously, in advance. And I had met um, Ron Carter t two times in the past, but I, I knew he wouldn't remember me. And, yeah. But I mean, I'd met him before, but I was in no way like friend, friends with him or anything, um, just an admirer from afar more than anything. Uh, but he asked to have a Zoom call, and it was like three days in, 
from then. He's like on Friday. This is like on Tuesday. Yeah. He said, and so we scheduled for Friday. So we had like three days of kind of, I don't know about you, but we had some nervous energy those days and we were all still separate and kind of, yeah. you know, you're quarantining or whatever. That's true. And it was like, what is he going to, are you in trouble? Is, I mean, we definitely weren't like, is he calling? Cause he wants to do a course with us. That was not on our radar. Yeah. No, it turns <laughs> out he just wanted to be on the podcast essentially like he, i think but he never even said that he just kind of wanted to talk i think he just wanted to talk yeah he and set us straight a little bit what's was a little bit of setting straight. Uh, setting it straight he was he was the, the basically was the vibe like hey listen if you're going to talk about my baselines why don't you just have me on and i'll talk about my baselines because i know more than you joke that's right do about my we're baselines. like jazz explained he's like ron carter explained i'll take care yeah of that. and you know he was right that's right <laughs> he right. was right uh, and then out of that, we made a video with him, a very long video that uh, became a very popular video for us last year. He was on the podcast here. And, you'll and it was it. a remote interview, which can potentially yeah. be the most awkward thing, um, especially when you don't know people over Zoom, like you don't have a rapport. Yeah. Um, and even like with the delay and the video or whatever, but he really made it easy. I mean, you know, he was very like, you know, wanted to state how he believes in things like he always does but in terms of like he was super gracious and we were a little bit fearful because there's stories out there that um he can be very demanding in terms of recording sessions and and gigs and interviews and that kind of thing but he was just he gave so much i mean like so many just interesting answered and gave yeah. us like time and was very generous and we did we did find out he likes to be early He's. I don't think we've done a Zoom meeting with the maestro where he wasn't there before we were there. <laughs> That's right. right. And, and we show up early. And we, we uh, and so now we just started coming uh, like a half hour early. Before. Right. And kind of funny thing about that first interview, remember we had some technical snafus yeah. as we were setting up. And um, yeah, he actually played a joke on us and pretended yeah. like he was going to sleep. We we're like, oh no, we've lost him. And he kind of laughed. he was super warm and, and really funny and, uh, and it was great to talk to. And then we ended and up- And very open to talking about, I mean, we talked about the Japanese commercial yeah, and so all that great. stuff. You know. And then uh, a few months after that, I think this was maybe September, October was the second time we talked to him. Right. Right. We said, uh, maybe October. Yeah. Seems about right. Yeah. We had him on the podcast again because, um, you know, we kind of have, you know, we know Ron Carter now. He's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he's not a little on my bit of a deeper dive. He's not on my phone, but yeah. I, I believe I have an email. Yes. Which right. I'm so excited about. <laughs> For his assistant. For his assistant. <laughs> uh, but so we did another one. And then after that was over, it was just like, okay, well, thanks again, uh, Mr. Carter. And uh, we'll see you next time. And do you remember what I said after that, Peter? Yes. Okay. So let me take over here because this is just a genius thing i mean we finished and we were so excited oh yeah. that's the one we actually we had the real technical stuff we didn't even realize we lost a bunch of footage that's but right. we were so happy about yeah. how it went we're like high-fiving each other and we're just like chest because bumping. we weren't <laughs> shaking in our boots the second one we weren't as nervous right that's right yeah. and it really went well yeah i mean yeah. you can see it on the and, and we'll link to the uh to, to both the interviews but we felt even more at, at home and we felt good about the rapport that we had and just you know the 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 knowledge and just funny stories and interesting stories but really just like that deep connection with a legend that we were able to facilitate in a little bit of a small way yeah um so we were like high five like this is great and then i, I remember in a, in a moment of euphoria you looked at me you're like let's get him let's get him to do a course let's, let's have him do a course well, like, second, you said it to me the first one was about his book about the the autumn lee's baselines with yeah. his time with miles is great right, the, the second interview we did was about his book blueprint for the working jazz basis. That's right. And, and, and it like this book that he created so lines up with our philosophies here at open yeah. studio and with the things that Christian McBride has done and Ruben Rogers has done and Bob, Bob the boo has right. done that. I, it just seemed obvious. And also it seemed like he keep, you know, he keeps agreeing to talk to us about this stuff wanting. And I was like, are we, 
Are we just uh, too scared to ask the pretty girl to the well, dance? It, like, it, you know it, what I mean? And that's like, exactly what you said. And I, it, it brings to mind a great quote of uh, Warren Buffett, yeah. who we don't normally quote here at the podcast. Always but, on our mind. <laughs> What's up? Uh, Oracle of Omaha. What? <laughs> um, Toyota Corolla. <laughs> um, but he says, uh, when others are fearful, be greedy. When others are greedy, be fearful. Or something along those lines. I might be paraphrasing. Say it again. When others are fearful, be greedy. Be when greedy. others are greedy, be fearful. Right. And he's talking about in terms of, I think, the stock market or investing as a company. When everybody's you know, afraid and selling off, that's the time to buy. I mm. think. I don't even know. Mm. But it made me think of this because like, as soon as you're like, let's, 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 let's ask him to do a course, I immediately got fearful because I was like, Oh, I was like, whoa, I, I let, you know, just because I think that's an initial thing of like, we're not good enough for that. Yeah. You know, and, but you were kind of being greedy because like the thing went really well. I was being fearful and you got greedy and you're like, you know what? Interview, interview, let's have them do a course. And it was a man, you know what it is, Peter, honestly, like we've done so much. I don't know if the audience knows this, <laughs> but we make so much content. Yep. And we've talked to so many great people, over, especially over the last two years, like since the pandemic. And yep. we've really, when your and I's musical careers kind of took a little bit of a halt and yep. we really started uh, to... Churning out the content. I mean, yes, because Dialing we had nothing content. else to do. We're That's bored, right. essentially. That's we just right. were like, let's just make some content. Right. Uh, but really started talking to like all kinds of folks that, you know, during the pandemic, think about all the amazing jazz musicians we talked to, things that we made. I, I'm honestly... Just so and, and and hearing from all of our you'll hear it listeners, all of our open studio members about how much they're appreciating all the things we're doing. Just, you know, the last year or so, man, and I, I feel you on this energy, too. It's just like, let's get to it, man. Yeah, we've got like we're you know, we're confident in what we're doing at this point. It's like when you it's like playing, actually. And it's like learning how to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like once you get across, a, there's not a, it's not like a threshold that's so, you know, marked, but it, actually you can kind of think of it as like learning a new tune. There's a point where you're not thinking about the changes. You're not thinking about the melody right. or the form. It's just ingrained. And yeah. then this freedom starts to happen. Right. And that's how I feel like we're what, just, you know, to, to our own here, horn here in this situation, like the last year or so, it feels like we really know the tune. Like Absolutely. it feels like we have the confidence to be free with stuff. And like, whereas two years ago, I'd be like, ah, oh, we probably shouldn't make a course with Ron Carter. It's Ron right. Carter. You know, right. certainly there's someone better for that. Right. No, we are, we are as, you know, like I want to present these people because I think we can nail it, you know, Absolutely. and I think we did. I think we did. And I think with getting more confident and, you know, we, we can think about this through the lens of practicing and improvisation as well. Part of, uh, you know, building your confidence up is being willing to make mistakes. Totally. And so let's jump right to the session here. And I oh, want to just mention to you just to frame the discussion. We'll kind of talk about like what it was like to be in the studio in New York. Uh, but, uh, Kind of a high point and a low point came for me. Oh, this you know, is, <laughs> the this high is point. We'll start on a, on a high note. Yeah. Was getting a chance to play duo with Mr. Carter. Yeah, which was his request. I want to put that out there because I know yeah. people are going to be like, "Oh, I see you're playing on a couple of the lessons." I guess you may put that on the contract. You? I did not. Of course, I wanted to do it, but I did not want to impose myself. But he asked me to accompany him uh, on the course can I you know, to demonstrate some things. Can you yes. be a little, can you be honest? Yes. Were you a little nervous? I was very nervous. I could tell a little bit. I was very I, nervous. I could never tell if you're nervous. You're no. so ice cold. Usually. Yeah. The ice and ice in his Peter's veins. He's played with everybody. He's been all over the world. I could tell you were, you were a little bit, I was getting into it. You were like, Oh snap. Well, everyone's going to be able to evaluate from themselves because we only did one take of everything. Because remember, we just like yeah. played it. Then he's like, okay. Well, no, no. So and I, we didn't even go over the endings or anything. He was yeah. very specific in advance. But then we just started playing. I'm like, well, he didn't. I wanted to do 
it wasn't like a recording session where you're just playing. He was yeah. very specific, like play to, play the melody, then play two things, and then we take it out. Well, I just want to be clear to our listeners here. You will not be able to tell Peter was nervous from the playing at all. because You might. And that's, that's a lesson in being a professional. Like, you sounded great. You sounded just like yourself. I could just tell by your body language. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you've always got a little high. Profusely. You started sweating a little bit. <laughs> Pooping I, in my pants. You, you just seemed not quite as, uh, <laughs> as, as uh, liberated as usual. Exactly. But the playing was great. And hearing you guys play together and figure stuff out, like, like without talking well, and about And it was it. a very, like, I've never played with anybody where we're recording especially with video that i had never played with before yeah but yet somebody who's like playing i know so well right like, you know, so it was just a weird thing like because he didn't like i was trying to warp he's like I, hold up like he's like save it for this i was like save it we're about i was like can we get you know comfortable but i mean it was just he's just such a professional such that a professional. you know that's going to be there yeah. so that yeah it was a little unnerving so that was a high point though yeah getting to do that totally um and then the low point for me you probably will remember okay was when i kicked the maestro's bass in the by, first hour of recording no i mean in, yeah like like the first, the 10, first minutes. 10 minutes of his arrival <laughs> one of the first things peter did at the session was kick the bass yeah by accident i mean let me put it out there and it was loud it was not injured or damaged luckily but it was super awkward was it was amazing. literally the worst way to start the session and i remember thinking like well i'm always preaching about be willing to make mistakes i was like huh how are you gonna own that one buddy yeah you know, it's half a million dollar bass what if he can't use it for the session what if you know yeah and um Let's just say that Mr. Carter did not turn to me after I kicked it. First of all, it was very tight in there. We're trying to get comfortable. I was trying to help out where I probably shouldn't. Um, you know, it wasn't like I kicked it and then he said, oh, don't worry about it. He, he looked at me and was like, ah! It was, he let out like pain, like his child had been kicked or something, which it kind of was. Yeah. So, um, but I do remember thinking, well, it can only be uphill from here. Because literally, it couldn't be any worse. It couldn't be any worse. It couldn't be any worse. <laughs> you couldn't start any worse. Well, so well, if it had been actually damaged and unplayable, that I, would have been. I worse. don't have many low points from the session. I didn't. I mean, I didn't kick his base. So <laughs> I just wanted to instill confidence in all you guys. You know? <laughs> Thank but there was it was crowded. There we had a lot of camera angles. We had camera folks, audio. I mean, yeah. we, we we had it to the smallest group that we could, but we wanted it to be you know right, and and we wanted to capture this historic you know, tutelage from, you know, a master. So we had to have people in there, but it was, and we were in a great studio that uh, Ron really wanted to be in, like yep. kind of one of his favorite places with one of his favorite engineers. Yeah. And so it, Shout it was Shout out to Dave Darlington, Dave too. Darlington. Incredible job. Who ran audio there and, yeah. and was just a real bridge having worked with uh, yeah. Mr. Carter a lot. My highlight was I was tasked with uh, bringing an open studio hoodie and giving <laughs> it to the maestro. And I did at the end of the session and, Peter, I, I'm not making this up. His face lit up. I'm it did. Honest. It lit up when yeah. I brought the hoodie to him. I think he's, he's old school. He likes swag. Man. You know, he's seen our stuff. I want, I'd like to think maybe he's seen my videos. And I don't know if you know this, Peter, but I like a hoodie. I like to wear a hoodie in a video. I've heard. Sue me. Right. I like an open studio hoodie. They're comfortable. <laughs> yeah. They represent open studio. And They're us. free. They're free. So I'm, I like to think that maybe he's seen me in a hoodie and he yeah. recognized, oh, here's the hoodie guy going to give me a hoodie. Right. And I was like, I'm happy to give you a hoodie. But he actually was really super warm and super yeah. and super into it. We gave him a backpack and a hoodie. And I was like, well, you know, with open studio swag. And he was, uh, he was incredibly gracious the whole <laughs> session. Yeah. And, you know, another funny story. One other lesson I learned from him, and this has nothing to do with music, but it does have to do with being a professional and with, I think also with like managing our energy with, you know, cause he's, uh, he just celebrated his 85th, 85th birthday. birthday yeah. Right. And I'm 43. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I have a ways to go, 
But I still run into things like managing time and managing yep. energy. Of course. We had three days scheduled. You're human. We had three days scheduled for this shoot. <laughs> At the beginning of the second day, the maestro, Ron Carter, says... We're going to be done t- by today at 3 p.m. We were scheduled to go to 5 p.m. that day right. and then a whole other day. Yeah. And uh, we, the whole crew was like, what? He's like, we're going to be done by 3, 3 p.m. PM. today. Let's get to work. Let's Remember? get to work. And you know what? He was uh, like, uh, we were freaking out. He was absolutely right. He, did, yeah. he got everything he needed to get musically, all the promo stuff we needed to get. And he was in a cab going uptown at 3 p.m. <laughs> on the dot. And we were elated to get what we got and to me that was a real lesson of someone who's done it a thou- thousands of times exactly. i was gonna say a thousand times but thousands yeah. of times thousands of sessions thousands of video shoots and commercials and films and tv right and he knew what he had in the tank he knew what we had to go yeah he managed himself and his time and his energy yep. better than any human being i've ever seen I'm, and i'm not kidding like right. that is that's mastery level there. We talk about bass mastery or whatever, but yeah. you don't get to be a master of an instrument or of music or your career without being able to do things like know how much time you have and how much time things will take and then how much energy you can put into something before there's diminishing returns. He was organized. He was uh, thoughtful. And he had a great empathic feeling of the, the, the vibe of the session and his own vibe. And uh, to me, that is like the gift of a lesson. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it just speaks to his you know, uh, professionalism and, and experience uh, because as, as many thousands of sessions as he's done, I don't think he's ever done anything. Well, I know he's never done anything just like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it still was a new kind of a thing. But I, I think that, you know, no matter how good you are at what you do um, and all the things that go into getting to that point where you can play at that top level, where, you know, really, even if you go back in history, there's, you know, a, a single digit number of bass players that are in the discussion in all genres. Yeah. And that, that he is there. And, and he's oh, probably right. at the top of that list. <clears throat> yeah. But, when, you know, when you're talking about your one of the, you know, Hall of Fame, Hall yeah. of Fame level. I mean, Absolutely. I'm not even talking about top 50 in the NBA. No, he's I'm talking top 10. Yeah. 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 And so, like, there, that's one thing to get to that. But to, to, to what you're talking about, to the professionalism part as well, and to still be able to do that, to know how you can deliver at that top level, you know, because implicit with his, uh, we're going to be done by 3 p.m. was like, I don't know if you guys are going to have your shit together, but I will have everything you need by then. Yeah, so those cameras puts, better be working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It puts some some nice pressure on us, and it kind of elevated everybody, you know. And I think that absolutely, it, it's it's very indicative of what he does on the bandstand and part of his philosophy. And like people don't always notice that because they're like, oh yeah, of course he's great. He sounds great. He's playing the Miles Davis quintet, but Herbie's great and Tony's great. And yeah, of course they're all great, but there's also like a supporting, there is somebody like, and when you go back and listen to those recordings, he was leading from behind in a, in a lot of ways yeah. that you can really start to hear. And like, so, well, I, but I've heard other stories of this. Like uh, Benny Green has been mm-hmm. posting excerpts of a book. He's Benny, write the book already. Come on, we want to read the book. That's right. I don't want to be on Facebook. I mean, I do want to be on there reading it, but I want to. I want to. I want to hold those stories. And let in Open my Studio hand. do the book, uh, the audiobook version. <laughs> that's right. Come in and do a, do a podcast. No, but Benny Green's been posting excerpts from a book he's writing on Facebook, and he posted a passage about Ron Carter, about him making an, a record. I think it was. I think it was a Blue Note record. But he was very young, and he was a little bit. Uh, uh, 
he wasn't taking the session seriously. It was a Christmas thing. He was doing uh, Jezu Joy of Man's Desiring with Ron Carter. Yeah. And he didn't really, Benny didn't prep. He was very, very young. It was like one of his first things. Right. He didn't prep the tune until he got to the studio thinking like, oh, man, I know this tune. Like, right. I know Jezu. Like, I'll just be able to wing it or whatever. And he got there. And he got in the studio, and he was really kind. Of, he, he he describes. I, I'm not saying this. This is him saying that he was kind of flailing on, you know, the the melody, the changes, what he wanted to do with it, the vibe yeah. of it. And Ron basically stopped him after a couple of takes and was like, "We're going to end this session now. We're not going to continue because <laughs> yeah. you don't know this, right, and you right. don't have it together." That's right. Let and he and he said he wasn't mean about it. He was very warm about it. He's like, he like, let's reschedule when you have time to prep this because I'm not I'm right. not doing this. Right. And that's that's out of respect for the music. Out of respect it's, for the music. It's not and, personal. It's about but it's about the music. And it's one of the great lessons you know that yep. you could ever learn. And and I think like that's that was huge for me. So, Absolutely yeah. agree. Well, you know I feel so fortunate to have experienced this and to to um, you know producing it with you, Adam. We we had a blast. We and so unleashing it on the world is is even more exciting. Sharing it, you know, sharing it with you yeah. guys. So check it out. It's um, Blueprint for Jazz Bass. Blueprint for Jazz Bass. If you're an Open Studio All Access Pass member or Bass Access Pass member, you already have it on your uh, dashboard. Likely. That's right. Yeah. It's, if it's not there, it'll be there. You'll, you'll have early access, as that, we say. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, well, great stuff. Until next time, you'll hear it.